are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Grace, G-R-A-C-E. Someone once said the acrostic is God's riches at Christ's expense. He who is rich, yet for your sake, the Bible says, became poor, that we through his poverty might be made rich. We've been looking at grace these number of weeks now, and grace is just simply undeserved favor. I want you to remember that word, especially favor, to have favor with God. We who were enemies, aliens, strangers, the Bible says. We were away from God. We were sinners. Yet his mercy, he loved us. Jesus became sin for us. He who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. The world's trying every which way to get right with God. They'll reform. We'll rehabilitate. We'll stop our, stop our drugs, drugs or stop our temper or stop our alcohol. We'll go to church. We may go every morning. But God says not by works of righteousness which we have done, but it's according to his mercy he saved us. None of our good works. So grace, undeserved favor. But grace always produces a product, and that's what we've been looking at. Grace, we saw week one, it produces salvation. Because of grace, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. Grace provides salvation. Then we saw that grace provides joy. Remember the children of Israel where God was speaking and he talked about in the book of Acts that because of grace, you can have gladness of heart or joy. You know, the world tries to put laughter in our heart and they can. We can have laughter, we can have pleasure, we can have fun. If you don't believe that, go to Disneyland. Life's full of a lot of fun. But that's all external. But God will put joy in our heart. I have the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. So grace produces salvation. And grace produces joy. And grace, last week we saw, produces holiness. Because the grace of God hath appeared to all men. Looking for that blessed hope. And he tells us then that because of that in the book of Titus last week, because of the grace of God, we should live righteously in this present evil world, denying our flesh, living soberly and righteously and holy in this present evil world. The church ought not to reform you. Grace reforms you. Grace reforms me. The church doesn't put rules on our life like the Holy Spirit puts on our life when we realize I've been saved by the grace of God. And today, there's another 
result of grace. And I and you probably see very little grace with this one. Grace is not only simply salvation, but God gives us favor. And when we continue to grow in grace, not more salvation, we become aware of the favor of God. Jack Trevor lives, I'm, I'm supposed to live in awareness every day of God's favor on my life, not just for salvation, and not just for holiness, and not just for joy, but I'm growing by the grace of God, by his word, and by speaking to him in prayer, confessing my sins, and seeking to walk before him. But if we continue to grow in grace, it's gonna show up with this quality this morning, and the quality we see when it shows up will provide more grace, not saving grace, more grace, more favor, I want the favor of God. I want the favor of God on my life in such a way that that lady that just stood would have the overflow of God's grace. Oh, she's saved, and I got saved the same year in Illinois, she's in Illinois, and I'm in California, a few minutes from here, in a little Centerville, California, where I got saved. But she got saved and I got saved. We didn't get more of grace of salvation grace, but we've experienced the favor of God. I wanna live in such a way with this ingredient we'll see today that God blesses me, that she gets the overflow. We have those three children and their mates and 13 grandkids. I want it because dad, the papa, lives in such a manner that God sees that he goes, I wanna pour out some more favor on that boy's life. I want to live in such a way that your little children, I go to elementary chapel every Wednesday in my life for the last 42 years, and then high school chapel for the last 42 years, and then I go to college chapel for the last 23 years since the college began every single week of my life, and I want, there's so much favor on my life because by the grace of God, I'm going to fulfill this, which is not natural, that all these students can have the overflow of the favor of God and the members of this great church. What is it that I need to see God do in order to have more grace, more favor with God? And he rewards that favor. He rewards us with, what is it? Well, it's something that's not natural with me. It's something that because of my pride, I miss it. And I wanna to say today that every home needs a dad and a mother, that this ingredient is prevalent so that the favor of God might be such on your life that your children live in a peaceful, sweet home with a mother and a dad. I walked those girls down the aisle of our church building. I stood there with my son at his wedding and our son at their wedding. And I could look back and say, I think it's probably because of their mother. But sometimes some decisions I've made where I willingly obeyed God and they experienced the favor of God. What is it today? Well, the Bible says this, verse number six of chapter four. But he giveth, what's the next two words, church, today? But he giveth more grace. 
not saving grace. He's not talking about saving. He gives more grace. I'll give you more favor, heaven's break. I'll just dump more favor and more favor and more favor upon your life. Hey, I want to, Brother Bill Manning, God wants to give you more and more and more faith. Well, what is it? He says, he giveth more grace. Wherefore, God, what's the next word, church? Resisteth the what? But he giveth grace unto the humble. God says, I'll give you more grace and more grace and more but the ball's in your court first, Jack. You do your part. I'll, you, you humble yourself. Look what he says in verse number 10. Humble yourselves. Let's read it together, verse 10. Ready to begin. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. It's amazing through the scripture years ago, Brother Sly, you would remember it. I preached a message in our church, if I do my part, God always does his part. Draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to you. We wanna say, hey God, get over here. God, get over here, I need help, I need. No, God says, you draw to nigh to me, I'll draw nigh to you. Uh, how about Proverbs say, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, that's my job. Lean not unto your own understanding, that's my job. And all your ways acknowledge him, that's my job. And here it is, he'll direct our paths. That's his job. Call unto me. God says, Jack, it starts with you. You call unto me. And he says, I'll show you great and mighty things you know not. Here he says, humble yourself. You humble yourself. And I will lift you up. Humility, humility is not this. That's arthritis. Humility is not saying I'm such a worthless, no good, rotten bum. Humility is not thinking of yourself. Humility is not lifting yourself up. I've got to win this argument with this woman. I am not going to tell her I'm sorry. It was her fault. After all, she provoked me. I am not going to cower down to a woman. I'm not telling my kids I'm sorry the way I spoke to their mother. I refuse to do that. Well, you won't have the grace that you need. You know, proud people are never wrong. Proud people can never say, I'm sorry. Proud people are harsh. Proud people need to dominate everything and everyone. I'm, I'm in charge here. Proud people are arrogant. Proud people are self-willed. Proud people are judgmental. Proud people always have a chip on their shoulder. Proud people are offended so easily. I'm not coming back to this church. I was upset. Well, you're proud. Well, I'm not going to stay in this church and pastor these people. I, I tell you, what, I deserve better. That's a proud pastor. And God says he resists the proud. Sir, the problem in your home, dear lady, the problem in your home could be solved today if we would simply humble ourselves and bow our knees and say, God, I am wrong. I'm full of pride. 
You say, well, why would you speak on this on Easter? Because the greatest example of humility is Jesus. The Bible says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He made himself of no reputation. He took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of things in heaven and things on earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue shall confess to the glory of God the Father. You know, when we have humility in our heart, it shows up, one, in our disposition. It shows up in our disposition, our attitude. For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. If you're sitting next to a lady right now that's your wife, and you think that you are God's gift to her, you're a proud man. If you're sitting next to a man and you think that it's all about me and you live with the selfies and we do it like, look at my nails. My hubby did it for me. You don't even know who your hubby is. Look at my hairdo. We live in a selfie world. And I just took a selfie over here. I was preaching in Long Beach, and I'm thankful for the selfie today. I look terrible in a selfie. The best, I tell the guys in the media department, stand way back. Don't get these up-close views anymore. That day is gone. Stand, they said, well, I'm 25 feet back. Go another 25. <laughs> Don't zoom in. You know, I, I, I'm, but, but God, God, God says that our attitude reveals our, our disposition, reveals our humility. God help the family whose dad or mother in the home, their disposition, it's all about me. We can't even have fun in the home because uh, and I'm not for abusing the car. We can't, we can't have bicycles because I don't want them in the garage to hurt the car. No, we're not going to go do that because we're not going on a bike ride because I don't want to spend 15 cents on an ice cream cone. I'm living back in the dark ages. You can tell that. If you can find a 15 cent ice cream cone, let me know where they are. How sad it is for children are being raised in homes where there's a dad or there's a mother that's so full of pride that that pride takes precedence in the home and instead of a disposition of it is a joy to be the parent of this girl or this boy or these children, it is my honor, it is my privilege. Kids, I wanna tell you, ah, who wants a, another Easter? We gotta do all that Easter egg hunting at home or whatever you do. You gotta make such a big deal about it. It is a big deal. Those are your children. It is a big deal that your wife's having a birthday. It is a big deal that your husband's having a birthday. It is a big deal that Valentine's Day is coming, believe it or not, February the 14th, 2020. It is a big deal that on May the 12th of this year is Mother's Day. 
Can you imagine Mother's Day without that mother or that wife? And God says here that humility, you, you want humility, you want, you want more grace, well then lower yourself. For he must increase and I must decrease. Humility is a disposition. Humility is a decision. That's what he says. Verse 6, you, God says you humble yourselves. Verse 10, humble yourselves. It's not God's job. Years ago, I heard a preacher say this, probably 40-some years ago, and I, I marked it. I've never asked God to humble me. I'd rather humble myself than have God have to do it. I like my way better than God's. I don't know how God will humble me. And he won't do it out of anger. He won't do it out of madness. But he'll get my attention. Because God resisted the proud. You swore at your kids this week. You said, I just, I, I, I want to say I'm sorry. Just, I just, you know, it's hard to do that. No, it's not. Son, daughter, I was wrong. I threatened my wife this week. Well, sir, you're wrong. I'm attacking my wife. I'm making her life miserable. I'm making my husband's life miserable. Then humble yourself. It's a decision. There was a beautiful park, and they had cages and large areas, large areas for the animals to walk. It was just beautiful and rocks and you name it. And there was an area for a peacock. And you know the peacocks, when they open their feathers, they're so beautiful. And the peacock would almost come out, it was almost like a show. He'd, he'd come out from around the back and people would always applaud. He had gotten accustomed to the applause. And he'd stand almost like at attention and wait. Really not a very beautiful animal until they opened those beautiful feathers up. And there he was and the crowd went crazy, clapping their hands. And a little squirrel ran in front that peacock brought those feathers down and started chasing that. And the little boy was heard to say, he looked so beautiful until the squirrel entered his area. Sometimes, you know, I think about how does it happen? You hold that little baby and that baby is just a little bundle of joy and then all of a sudden, that little child becomes an obstacle in our life. That child's difficult to raise. That child's obstinate. That child doesn't obey properly. And you're thinking, why do we have this child and that child frustrates us? We're not careful to make decisions to be just the opposite. You're going to decide, and I will decide this week if I'm going to be kind to people or I'm going to be mean to people. I'm going to be polite to people or rude to people. I'm going to be a gentleman or I'm going to be a rude man this week. I'm going to learn by the grace of God to be one that gives to people or one that's looking to be receiving in life. I need more for me. You'll decide whether the guy puts the turn signal on in his lane over here and he wants in your lane. I'm not letting him in. Oh, no. Oh, no. He's not getting one lane ahead of me. I was on the road yesterday, and I don't know what, it was one of these real, real fancy cars. And I don't know if it was a Lamborghini, what it was, it was just beautiful. I mean, it was like low to the ground, like a spaceship. Man, that guy came, brand new place, come flying, just passed me up. 
And I got to the stoplight, and I'm right next to him. <laughs> you know, if we're not careful, we make the decision, I am not going to be kind. I find that humility is a disposition. Humility is a decision. Humility is always a demonstration. We'll close. Our Lord demonstrated it on the cross. He was willing. He could have called 10,000 angels. He could have stopped the abuse. He could have stopped the, the scourging. He could have stopped the buffeting. He could have stopped the spitting in the face. He could have stopped how they ridiculed him and mocked him. How they nailed him to the cross and lifted him up and threw that cross in a hole, jarring his very body. He could have stopped it all and he could have killed them all on the spot. But he gave himself for us. He humbled himself for us. He's our great example. There was a preacher, great missionary. You've read his accounts of 200 years ago, William Carey. William Carey was known as one of the most humble missionaries to ever walk the face of this earth. William Carey is now dying. And Duff, missionary Duff, Scottish man, came to see him. And as he came in to see him, in a feeble breath, they were speaking, and he was so weak. And then Duff had prayer, and he left. And as he was leaving, they heard him say, Mr. Carey said, Duff, Duff. And he came back with a feeble voice. He said, when I die, don't speak of William Carey. When I die, don't speak of William Carey. Speak of William Carey's Savior. Oh, how we need to realize that he must increase and I must decrease. Queen Mary's been dead for so many years. She lived in London, 10 Downing Street, where now the present queen has lived for all these decades and decades. And Queen Mary had a habit to go visit the children's hospital. Her entourage would take her, and she went to the little children's hospital that day, and she saw a little girl, and she sat at the bedside and said, Honey, can you tell me about who you are and something about you? And they talked. Queen Mary was so sweet to that little girl who was dying. And the little girl said to her, Miss Mary, she didn't know it was the queen. She just introduced herself as Mary. She said, Miss Mary, she said, I live, oh, she said, she gave her the place where she lived. She said, I live here, and it was the slums. It was awful, just terrible. And the little dying girl said, now, Miss Mary, where do you live? Well, she lived in the palace. Queen Mary never told her. She said, honey, I live really just behind the department store over there is where I live. That's what you call humility. 
She didn't flout her wealth. She didn't flout her position. But instead, she came to the point where she said, I just live behind the department store. I'm going to have to make a decision this week. My flesh doesn't want me to make this decision every day and throughout the day because my flesh wants to win. I want to be in charge. I want to have the last word. But by the grace of God, you pray for me that this week I would decrease and he would increase. You pray that I would humble myself. I'll put myself on the lower shelf. Someone God's once said, God reserves all of his greatest blessings on the lowest shelf. Because we get low enough, God could use us. You're not as important as you think, and I believe you are important, but you know what I'm talking about. I'm not as important as some people make me out to be. I, I, if I'm to be chiefest of all, I'm supposed to be servant of all. There is nothing wrong with doing work that we think might be beneath us because nothing should be beneath us. You find a little boy this week, dirty, nothing to give back to you. And if God allows you with his mother or dad present to do something for that boy, then you do something for that little child. There's a world out here that's full of pride. It's tweeted out all day long about how great we are. But God says, I'll give you some more grace. Just think of that, Brother Fenera. I'll pour more favor on your life, Jack. I'll give you more favor. But you have to do this. Well, what is it, Lord? Jack, you have to decrease and I have to increase. Jack, you have to humble yourself, and I will lift you up. God will take care of that. And the greatest example is one who we celebrate today, who was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace is upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. He was oppressed, he was beaten, he opened up not of his mouth. He voluntarily gave his life and he said, if I be lifted up, speaking of himself, I'll draw all men to me. Gladly he went to the cross. Gladly he died for our sin. And he did it for you and for me. Why? He humbled himself. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.